Uh, welcome back to Snaresbrook Prep Uncovered, the podcast where we talk to pupils, staff and parents to understand more about the school. I'm Ralph Dalton, head teacher at Snaresbrook Prep, and usually each episode is hosted by Simon Jones. And between us, we would normally speak with different guests in, how do you say it, Simon? A bit of a three-way conversation? Bit of a three-way conversation. Yeah, well, however, today is going to be a little bit different because I've had a number of people ask me, who is this Simon Jones? Does he work at the school? Is he a parent? What does he teach? So today I thought, as it's getting a little bit close to Christmas, we'd put together this little Christmas cracker for you, uh, uh, inside which you'll be able to find out who Simon is and what he's learnt about school through doing these podcasts and what he thinks makes a great independent school. But first of all, Simon, how are you doing today? Uh, I'm doing very well. It's, it feels very strange to be on the opposite end of the of the interviewing. Of course, I'm usually the one who's ask, ask, asking the questions, not answering them. So it feels a bit strange to be talking on on the other side. But uh, but I am very well. I'm I'm actually coming to you from Dubai today, which is one of the great wonders of technology because you know all I've done is to bring out my microphone with me, and it just means that we can carry on uh, having podcast recordings. But yeah, I'm very well, thanks. Enjoying some nice warm weather out here instead of the cold of home right now. <laughs> well, it's great that you're with us. And I think today we're going to end up, it might end up more of a sort of two-way q and I don't know. But the first main item of business, I think, is have you got your Christmas jumper on? Have I? Sure, sure. No. <laughs> no. No, I mean, I haven't either. But I thought it, we should have. We should have for this, this Christmas cracker. We should have had our Christmas jumpers on and our our sorts of hats and everything but we didn't do that but yeah maybe we should have done with a bit more preparation but but i must say being being in a warm (laughs) country right now and wearing a jumper would feel a bit strange yeah okay we just turn up your air conditioning until it was a necessity that might help (laughs) anyway let's let's get straight to it then let's answer some of you know these, these the burning questions are so yes or no do you work at the school no, I don't. I never have. And um, I, I work alongside a number of schools and Snaresbrook Prep is one of the schools that I work alongside. Right. OK. And are you a parent? <laughs> I am a parent, but not with children at Snaresbrook Prep. In fact, home for me is a very small village in Hampshire. And the schools that we work with tend to be mainly in the UK, sometimes outside the UK. But they are scattered all over the UK. They really are. How did this all start then? I mean, how did you get into podcasting? What led you to working with schools? How did it all happen? Okay, let me give you a bit of a backstory. Before I was doing this, and uh, quite a long time ago, actually, I worked in the corporate world. And the business I worked for provided schools with software. And that that was all great. I, I really enjoyed that. But I had a real passion to... Uh, to do something else where I could help other people with something that I really enjoyed, which was actually not podcasting, because this is back in about 2008, 2009, and that was photography. So I started off taking photographs, partly for schools, but not the portraits that often go back to parents, but but usually the the photographs that a a marketing manager in a school might want for, uh, for use on their website or in their prospectus. So essentially, children showing children in school and showing how much children really enjoy being at that school and I I started doing that and I was working as as well doing some photography for for weddings and some corporate event photography and that kind of thing and all of this was great but because I've got my own children and at the time they were quite a bit younger than they are now I I realized very quickly that photographing weddings is not good for family life when you have young children 
because even though you might be running your own small business and in control of your hours, the, the weddings that you're photographing tend to be at the weekends when your children aren't at school and largely during summer holiday when your children aren't at school. So it can actually cause more problems. And, you know, one of the reasons you start running your own business is to be more in control of your time and spend more meaningful time with those who, are, who, who you're close to. And then I realized that actually with the school marketing photography, schools were, were very, you know, by their very definition, education is a very positive industry to work in. It's not like working in you know, tobacco or something like that. It, by its very nature, it's a positive sector. So, and I realized that I enjoyed working with children, enjoyed working with school marketing teams and head teachers. And also this system would allow me to spend time with my family during weekends and summer holidays. So I started doing a lot of work with schools doing photography. Then came pandemic and of course schools closed. And if you're running your own business and 100% of your work is dependent on being in a school to do your to do your work then when schools closed that causes on the one hand a bit of a problem but on the other hand a bit of an opportunity because one of the things that I'd wanted to do for quite a long time was actually to create my own podcast for other photographers and the pandemic gave me for the first time ever the time and the freedom to be able to do that so I created my own podcast for photographers and realized that I'd wanted to do this for a long time but hadn't been able to and immediately loved it and I was able to start helping other photographers who run their own photography businesses but then very quickly thought to myself why is it that the schools that I work with for photography and those marketing managers why don't they have a podcast for their own schools because this could this could really be a great way for schools to connect with with current parents and with prospective parents who want to hear more about what life is like in that school and not life through through a video on the website where maybe a head teacher is talking for three minutes about what the school's values are for example which is all very positive but hearing real stories and you know actual authentic conversation as opposed to a, a one-way message which is delivered which is pre-rehearsed and scripted almost so so, so that seemed like a great opportunity for schools to be embracing but no schools had their own podcast and I thought well why is it that they don't have a podcast and I realized that it came down to what I think were two main reasons which is that schools don't have time to create a podcast and a lot of the time schools just don't know how to create a podcast and you know unless you've done something of course you wouldn't necessarily know how to do it so I thought to myself well let's start talking to schools and asking them whether or not that'd be something they'd be interested in and sure enough they were so so that's how I started working alongside Snaresbrook Prep to help your school with creating and managing a podcast as well so that parents could hear more about real life in the school well I mean I mean absolutely I remember when you sort of your email came in and I was, yes, it was it was exactly what I was looking for. That, you know, as you said, authentic conversation and trying to show, we're trying to explain some of the ideas behind what we're we're doing here. And in many ways, we suffered the same problem that you had up to the pandemic. Is that you don't have time to stop doing what your main business is to explore mm. another avenue. But it's just really interesting. Just going back in terms of that transition so there you are working for a company fairly secure I'm imagining what's the transition point between and I'm assuming maybe you've done some photo you like some photography you've done some photo like you've been photographing stuff you know just because you like it do you remember what 
made you make the change or how did you go about that transition? Because that sounds awfully, you know, frightening. <laughs> yeah, on, on the one hand, it is a bit frightening, but but the fear is only the unknown, really. And the reality behind it is that actually for people who might be listening to this and thinking to themselves right now, I'm employed, but I'd love to do something where I'm running my own business. The great thing about running your own business is that actually you have your income through a large number of, of customers or clients. And when I say a large number, maybe you, you, you do something where your line of work means that you have 15 customers or you might have 100 customers or, you know, if, you, if you're selling something which is quite low value, you might have 1,000 customers. But essentially when you're, when, when you're employed, you've kind of got one customer, which is your employer. And that's all great while you've got that one customer. But if there are changes to that business that you're working for and suddenly your position is no longer needed, nothing at all to do with what you've been doing, but your actual position, then you're out of that control and your position could become redundant. And then you've lost 100% of your income almost like overnight, you know, give or take your notice period. But actually, when you're running your own business and say you've got your, your business means that you have 25 customers, then essentially your income is split split is split down between 25 different people which means you can monitor you know if, if that falls to 23 it's not a it's not a major problem but you can pick up on that and then you detect it and you start doing something to build that up to 25 again or maybe build it up to 27 and that's kind of how you get a you know quote unquote pay rise so you are you are much more in control and it is much safer than a lot of people think it is but it's natural for people to feel that fear to start off with because it is a fear of the unknown really so actually you'd say in many ways it's more risky to only have one customer i.e to be employed by one company than it is to have a portfolio of customers that you serve as being self-employed yeah depending on who that that single customer is if you you know if you're working for uh, let's say you're working for BT and you've worked at BT for 35 years, then that's pretty safe, really. You say that. I mean, my dad always tells the story. He worked for a, a multinational, like an American company, and he remembers a, an international conference where he was listening to two executives from America talking and on the sun loungers. And one said to the other, I said, well, let's just move it from the East Coast over to the West Coast. And that was a whole production mm. part of the business. And my dad just sat, said to me, so mm. I just sat there and thought, wow, that's a thousand people's jobs made, affected, wow. a thousand lives affected on a sun lounger in, I don't know, wherever it yeah. was, Monte Carlo. And so, yes, it appear, it's really interesting you say that because it gives the appearance of being really secure. It's the secure job we're all brought up to historically think of. And actually, if you think of it the way you were thinking of it, it's no more frightening no that's true but then if, if pandemics taught us anything it's that is, is that the, there's no sort of security in anything at all really is there no no it did shift <laughs> it did shift what we thought was normal didn't it <laughs> i mean and yeah. thinking of that i mean do you think in terms of children if you what what messages around entrepreneurship or running your own business should we be giving children at school oh it's a great question in the uk whenever people mention the word entrepreneurship it's usually in the same kind of sentence or paragraph as Richard Branson and while Richard Branson is in many ways a great person to look to in the world of entrepreneurship there is the risk that because he's done such incredible things in short periods of time that we can often feel like that's the level that we might never reach 
therefore entrepreneurship is something for those kind of people and not for me. But actually entrepreneurship is is just the ability to look at society and think, is there a problem that needs to be fixed? And am I in a position where I can do something about that to bring about that change? And it doesn't matter how small or large that is. Maybe it is, you know, launching Virgin Atlantic or, or an equivalent, or maybe it is doing something at a much lower level. You know, the, the, the child in school who, you know, in the American scenario wants to sell lemonade at the front of their drive is, is the early stages of entrepreneurship because that's recognizing that, you know, if it's a hot day, then people may well need that lemonade. A friend of mine explained to me one time that if you wanted to sell lots of hot dogs and make that your business, then some people might look at how you create the finest hot dogs in the world, the highest kind of quality product. But that could be a mistake if you're selling hot dogs, because a lot of the time when people want a hot dog, they don't necessarily want highest quality. They just want a hot dog because they're hungry. So actually, if you position your hot dog stand outside a football ground on a cold day, you're going to sell a lot of hot dogs. And that will make much more of an impact and a difference to more people than it would do if you were changing the quality of the product. So, you know, how can you change more lives? How can you create more solutions for, for people in life? But then equally, a lot of this comes down to serving the community first of all. And if you serve first in all aspects of life, then then this is a great approach to take. So to bring it back to your question, in the world of education, you know, I, I believe the importance of teaching entrepreneurship is 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 huge i mean the the opportunities it presents for individuals for the country for the economy is just phenomenal and and i think that we need to embrace the way that americans use the word entrepreneurship more so where in the us it tends to be assigned to anyone who's creating that solution to a current problem as opposed to in the UK, where we tend to reserve it for the likes of Richard Branson. And if you, it's almost like in the UK, if you call yourself an entrepreneur, then you're being a little bit up yourself. But, you know, it's okay for someone else to call you an entrepreneur, but not, not to call yourself that. But I think we need to shift that because really it's just down to the basis of, of finding a way to help other people. Yeah, it's an, it's a, in the US, it almost sounds like you're describing it's more of an attitude, whereas in the mm. UK, it's a job title. I mean, I, well, I should say we don't we don't really we haven't talked about what we're going to talk about on this. And so to hear you say no, that, no, not at all. To hear you say that is really gives me so much pleasure because in one of the podcasts we talk about the school virtues and the values underpinning those. Mm. And I too think if you look for an opportunity, if you look for where you can add value, so that's the way I term it. You said if you look to serve first, look for a, a problem that needs a solution that you can provide. That is the civic, if you, that's why I think the civic element of our virtues is so important because that's that same mindset. Mm. How can I, how can I deliver what you need in a given situation? And then one of the other ones that I've put in there that I think is really important is being optimistic, thinking optimistically, because again, I think a lot of reason why people don't make that jump is they think pessimistically rather than optimistically. Yeah. I mean, again, this is my own I seem to bring my own experience to everything. I don't know if that's what everyone does or if it's just me. But, you know, I remember lots of conversations in my own household, like my parents, where my dad was slightly more optimistic and my mum was always very pessimistic. But again, that was because mm. she had to move three times as a child because her parents had lost all the money 
betting it on the next mm. sort of big thing or the next opportunity so and and so what do you teach your your children about entrepreneur you know what do, what, where do you guide them are you sending them off down the sort of the university milk round routes you know big corporate job what do you teach them interestingly the, my, my eldest has just gone to university so so our children are 17 and 19 and eldest is currently at Exeter doing law which is a very traditional kind of route but whether or not she'll carry on doing law in fact truth be told I, I, I think the I think the reason why she's doing law at university is because she watched Suits on TV <laughs> and she quite liked that sort of lifestyle you, of, of New York based law No you law don't firms. need to go to the university to do that you just need to walk into strut into a room in a very sharp suit slide <laughs> an envelope across or a folder across the table fling it give it some attitude as you as you frisbee it across the table or if it's frisbeed at you just lift it up glance and have instantly digested the information that's all you need to do that's what i gained from suits yeah, yeah. <laughs> well she she gained something from it and it was her desire to go and study law at exeter but she's she's having a great time there but the approach that the that, that I take with a pair of them is is to embrace all opportunities in life and you know you mentioned about optimism and pessimism and that's absolutely an area that 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 I tend to promote at home with my own children so so they witnessed that firsthand because when pandemic struck they were both still at home because eldest hadn't gone to university at that point and they they saw a complete change in what I was doing because it needed to be done and actually not just because it needed to be done but because that that was an opportunity for something to happen and it was it was quite easy and understandable for other people who run their own businesses to sort of hold their heads in their hands and think I, I just need to sit this out and you know wait for the government to bail me out until it all picks up again in a year's time or whenever that's going to be and and I'm not saying that everyone should be optimistic because you know I do recognize that some people are more naturally optimistic but but I really did see it as a as a as an opportunity to do something that I'd wanted to do for a long time, and my children saw that as well. So hopefully, by just being that which I'm trying to teach them, is a way for them to pick up on that. Whether or not they do, I don't know. Well, the best lessons are caught, not taught. But I mean, in all honesty, I mean, how long did it take you to to be that optimistic? I mean, did you literally go, "Oh, well, that's good. I've got some time on my hand." I mean, what? How long? How long did you think? Kind of pay the mortgage. I mean, how long was that process? I, I, I never. Or are you just so optimistic naturally? Is that? It, it, it was a quick. I, I didn't wallow in pessimism. I didn't wallow in, in the fact that we were in a bad situation. I, I did very quickly see it as, an opportunity. And, maybe I'm just the sort of person that likes change anyway. But you know if if change is thrust upon us then it's much easier to adapt quickly to that whole situation than it is to create that which you would have done anyway had the change not been forced upon you so actually again with pandemic you know the number of schools that switched to online learning very quickly was phenomenal i mean it was just outstanding how quickly schools did that but if we'd known 5 years before needing to switch to online learning that it was going to be coming in 5 in 2021 no, 2020, in March 2020, then we would have spent, you know, collectively as a country, as a world, we would have spent five years arguing over what the best way is of doing it. And then we would have had issues and meetings and consultations and then probably wouldn't have 
got it ready in time despite having five years. But in reality, we had a few days. When I say we, schools had a few days to get it sorted out and they got it sorted out because it kind of, they, they kind of had to. They had to react to it. Well, I mean, I'd, in terms of... Oh, I, I so want to ask you about I know we've got... I'm worried about time, but in terms of... Was this because you were just very prudent up to that? You saw it coming? Was it just luck that you had this other... This podcasting idea, it sort of was there? If it wasn't podcasting, it, it, it kind of would have been something else. Ralph, I remember when I was about... I'm going to guess about 15, 16 years old... I remember deciding, and it was a, a, a day, I, I remember where I was when I decided this, but I thought to myself, it is possible to choose to be happy in different situations, and I'm going to choose to be a happy person, because there are so many things that happen in life that we can't affect, that we can't change at all. You know, when, you, when we look at, you know, as a Brit, when we look at American politics, we can't change American politics at all. And we can start getting cross about what's happening in American politics and what, what, what's happening with Donald Trump and, and all of those kind of things. But actually us complaining about it and moaning about it to our friends, it literally changes nothing apart from just making us bad on the inside because of, because of how it makes you, you know, the, the physically, physically how it makes you feel inside. But we can choose to, to respond in more positive ways to those things that we can't change. And thereby, we can therefore affect other things around us through our more positive nature. Now, does that mean that I wake up with a smile on my face every morning going, everything's great when something might not be great? No, because sometimes things do happen. And it's like, right, OK, well, that's not good. But it's a case of, right, that's not good. But what what is good in this? What can we learn from this? How can we move this forward? And actually, to mention American politics, I I remember one of my children saying to me when a certain person was voted in in 2016, they, 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 she said to me, Daddy, this is really bad, isn't it? And I said, well, it, it's not what I would have voted for if I was an American citizen, but we don't have any control over this. But what can we learn from this? I mean, it'd be interesting, actually, to see how all of this plays out in the media. It'd be interesting to see how different people respond to everything. But, but there's no need for us to get cross or upset or anything else over it because we can't control that at all yeah i wish i was naturally like that <laughs> i am i am there's that there's a i'm sure it was a far side card which was a set of cards that had like a, a cartoon on them and it was a picture of a glass of orange juice or something and it was half it was the, the liquid was halfway up the glass and it said you know mm -hmm. in the top it said half empty or half half empty or half full and then and the, the character was just going, hey, I ordered a cheeseburger. Um, and that's kind of me. <laughs> <laughs> but that always resonated. But um, I mean, I guess we should talk about in doing all these podcasts, because we did promise people what, you know, what makes a great independent school. You, you know, you've mm. had children. You've done all that you've done. How many episodes have you done with schools? 252. So 200, you've heard 252 people speak about schools. And, and so I was sort of wondering what you've learnt about schools or now you think about schools if you were going through the process again as a parent what would you think about in terms of when you looked around those schools or you know we're talking to those schools what's important uh, I, I would say two things I, I think the first thing is that there is so much more that happens behind the school doors with the senior leadership team with all of the staff in schools it doesn't doesn't matter which school it is I'm not just talking about SNES but prep that that often the parents have no idea at all about. And th this, I find, is something really encouraging 
for, for the whole country because I'm seeing all of this effort being put in and it's very easy and understandable for parents to think to themselves oh such and such isn't working they need to fix that you know maybe it's arrival times that aren't fitting in well with work times of people I, I'm, I'm not you know that's a silly example but you know it's easy just to look at those surface things whereas actually there's so much that happens where the education the upbringing the 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 world awareness that's being instilled in these children is absolutely paramount and you know that's happening in all schools and that's a really really encouraging thing to see and to hear about and being in this position means that I get to hear about those things that are happening from all schools all over the place so I think that's really encouraging the second thing though is that I'm seeing in a lot of schools that are working well a high element of happiness in the children in the staff in the SLT and the head teacher and no pressure on you Ralph but the schools where I really see that happening is where it is coming from the top in that school and it filters down very quickly into all of the children and then when I'm in one of these schools you can just feel I mean you know people talk about how a school feels when 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 they step in and if the children are happy then you just feel that happening within the school so hopefully that is happening across all schools of course we're not doing a podcast for all schools in the UK not at all and by the very nature of working with schools on a podcast it's more likely that if if they're speaking to us about having a podcast and if we're running a podcast for them then the chances are that it's already a positive environment to be in because otherwise they wouldn't be looking at doing something like this in the first place so it does mean that I'm getting probably a slightly skewed insight into school life but happiness in children and teaching staff I, I think is paramount well yeah and do you, is it mostly independent schools you work with or is it a mixture of it's all independent schools that, that we work with, but there are more and more businesses now asking me if we can do the same kind of thing for, for them, so outside of the education sector. And, and I'm not quite sure how I feel about that yet, but that's just, that's just between me and you. I was going to ask, do you, do, do you just stick with the education sector, or has that been your focus? Right now, yes. Yeah, it, it, it has been, just because it's, it's a market that I know and love and understand, and being a parent myself, it, it, it works very well. In fact, I, I had a, a Zoom call a few weeks ago with a guy who does exactly the same as what I do, but in the US and for law firms. So different country, different market, but providing the exact same service. And it was interesting, the, the similarities between our two businesses, yet zero crossover of customers. So it's a very safe environment for us to speak to each other. And and he finds that it works very well being able to talk the right language and understand what his clients, those law firms, are looking for in a podcast to serve their audiences. And in the same breath, I, 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 I'm able to understand more about school life because that's where I've that's where I've been for a while, and and I'm a parent, and I'm here in the UK. And I, and I guess also with your sort of photography, that's why you do your photography podcast. Because that's another area you feel comfortable. I mean, is there any areas that you would, you know, if, if anybody wanted to start a podcast, are you open to offers in terms of, you know, working with other in other sectors? Yes, yes, I am, and it's uh, like like I say, it's it's one of those things where, you know, it may well be that I create a slightly separate brand or a different website, maybe so that so it's not schools focused, but you know, I'm 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 still not sure on that, just because my heart really is in the independent education sector it really is 
Well, I, you know, I, I, I probably haven't said it on the podcast, but I have said it to you many times. I really enjoy working with you. And we, I don't know if there are others. We, we do it as you act as the host. And yeah, I really enjoy that and really value. Well, I, I really enjoy it as well, Ralph, because the, the approach that Snares Prep takes is different to a lot of prep schools that, that, I, that I've worked with across the UK. And, and again, you know, I mentioned that happiness in school comes ultimately, it comes from the top. But equally, the approach that schools take comes from the top as well and from having a head who is open to trying different things. Because let's face it, having a podcast in a school is a new concept you know podcasting in itself is new so schools having a podcast is is going to be new and for a school to have a podcast it does require an element of well let's see if this will work and and for schools that are more reserved it may well be that they take five years to do something that other schools are embracing and you know being more being more of an early adopter in but those schools that do take that approach tend to be those that are equal you know the, the early adopters tend to be the ones that are uh, that are trying new ways of learning with the children and new ways of of managing staff to get the best from staff to get the best from children I, I, I'm just going to use this opportunity to say thank you as we approach Christmas seems seems right we should be giving thanks to things we're grateful for and I'm very grateful for your original email and that you've uh, you've pivoted in the way you have and for all your help I mean if people wanted to get in contact with you how would they find you best probably best if they visit the website which is thebonjouragency.com so bonjour is the name of my business and so it's just thebonjouragency.com and uh, there you can see me and a short video of me explaining how it all works so but really it's great working with you Ralph you know I really enjoy our earlier conversations that we've had off-air conversations about you know about school life about about life each individual (laughs) about life yeah in in life itself about how we grow as people and how we develop ourselves it's always interesting to talk it really is well, i'm still i'm still telling everybody what was that thing you told me that if you stretched a rope around the circumference of the earth it would be over oh, yeah. one distance yeah that's it if you if you had a piece of rope that went all the way around the world and then if you raised it first of all how how far would that go, how long would that rope be and then if you raised it six that's feet it. If, how much longer yeah, if you had a piece of rope that went all the way around the world then it would be something like 33,000 miles long i can't remember the exact um the the exact name for it, uh, the exact number for that and then if you lifted that piece of rope all the way around the world by 2 feet off the ground by 1 foot off the ground then the difference in length of that whole piece of rope would be a mere 6 feet i think that's right we should have rehearsed this before. <laughs> we, we should have rehearsed this before. <laughs> Just to prove that we don't actually ever, it, we, we don't know what we're going to talk about. <laughs> it, I, I think in your head, you, you, it feels like it should be miles and miles longer because it's going the whole way around the world. But, it, but in, in reality, it's about six foot longer and that's it. And this is what we end up, if, if anybody's wondering what we end up talking about off air, it's these types of things. Random facts <laughs> we've learned on YouTube. in life. <laughs> anyway as you'd say Simon I think we need to bring this to a close but anybody out there listening if you have any questions for future podcast episodes you know you want us to do please just email the school office at uh, office at snaresbrookprep.org if you want to find out about the school please visit our website if you want to find out more about Simon visit his website and to stay up to date with 
the next episode when it comes out if you just follow the podcast and all that means is you'll get a small notification the next time an episode is released so uh, until next time thanks for listening to snaresbrook prep uncovered and we look forward to speaking to you soon so bye for now bye for now bye for now bye bye <laughs>